0: Hi, I'm Sally, I'm Linda, and I'm Ming. Pour yourself a cup of tea and join us for this week's episode of Moving Oolong.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to episode 80. So today we have a very exciting topic with a special guest, a renowned artist, um, who Sally will be introducing later on to talk about ceramics and the process for that, being a small business owner and a very unique uh, firing method that we are very excited to learn about. But before we get into that, let's do our weekly recap. Um, Sally, why don't you go (laughs) first? Yes.
0: Let's see. This week, honestly, since the last time we recorded this episode, not much time has gone past, so like not much happened. But I still have a few things to report back on. So on Sunday, I went on a date with Kevin. And we went to an open house, like randomly. like We we didn't plan to go in this open house, but we were just walking down the street and we saw it was going on. So we checked out the house. And it was a really fun experience um, to just be touring a house. And we like, acted like we were... <laughs> A young couple trying to buy a house wow. and I was really the real estate agent being like, what is the market value of this house? Um, how many or when was this house built and stuff like that? So that was fun. And I really enjoy just like looking at interior design and figuring out the housing market. So I didn't realize my <laughs> passion for that until is now. Is this your real estate announcement? <laughs> and you've started your own company? <laughs> no (laughs) no it was just fun looking at the house anyways um but work updates you know work has been pretty slow still this week but um i went to this lab meeting lab party on monday and it was hosted by like a different department that our lab is in technically part of but we just went because i collabed with one of some of the labs there and hearing the postbacks there talk about their experience in the lab was very jarring to me like it really made me realize that everyone has a different experience depending on their PI and like the lab that they're in because there's these two people that we work um that I collaborate with and like their PI is super nice and they were telling us about how like their PI treats them like (laughs) her children and they go over to her house to have dinner and stuff like that and i'm like wow this is like such a different life than what i'm living at work but you know to each their own um so yeah i don't really have any other (laughs) updates besides that just some observations throughout my week we went climbing yesterday on monday and i feel like we for i at least personally i've regressed and climbing because we took a week long break. Yeah. What about you guys, Mink?
2: I also had a rough climbing day. I feel like this is this happens sometimes though, where it's like some days you're just not doing as well as like when you sent a bunch of climbs the day the last time you went. So it's demotivating, but also motivating. Like you know that you can do it, so. In some ways, like, oh, I'll just come back and do it again. But Sally and I were stuck on the same damn start that we couldn't, like, get, like, Mm -hmm. to the next move. And we tried it so many times. And I got scolded. Yeah, that was really (laughs) demotivating. But uh, I think my life is just going at, like, 5,000 miles per hour. I'm just holding on. Why? Not get run over. Um, I don't know. Like, going from, like, moving in, doing the Halloween mm-hmm. party, um, starting work. i don't. It was just so much, I guess, so busy. And I've just now finally catching my breath, um, like being alone, I guess, because Stefan flew back to California today. So this will be my first night alone in the house, I guess, or alone in my room, which will be, I guess, nice, because as an introvert, I need like some recharging time. And it just felt like, so much was happening. Work is still like probably the busiest it's been just with everything that's going on, um, like in Congress and just generally, I guess it's been busy and then getting used to like living alone. I cooked my own meal tonight and I, eh, I didn't have a rice cooker. So I had to cook the rice (laughs) by like pot and it was so hard. Oh gosh. (laughs) And it's just, I just need a breath. So I'm hoping that like Things will settle in. I'll get used to living here and I'll get into routine. But I'm the type of person who like, I need a routine. And if I don't have one, I feel really like thrown off. So, (sighs) but I'm also like really glad I'm here in the city and like doing this new thing. It's not as scary as I thought. So I don't know. It's a toss up. (laughs) (laughs) Linda, what do you think? Has your life been going 5,000 miles per hour? (laughs) it has been really busy like i told ming when i came over again
1: that i felt like i was living like a fugitive because i was like <laughs> had the same bags for like four days because <laughs> i like went straight from the metro to ming's house and then we got bagels from this place in our neighborhood and that was really mm-hmm. cute um i'm glad like i guess carlos organized i saw it or a memo maybe
0: <laughs> huh? just a stalking us <laughs>
2: Oh. no because
0: i was on Venmo for other things but i feel
2: like with venmo and like life 360 you can put together a full itinerary <laughs> I, to- yeah. I can just piece together your entire day without asking you we don't need these recaps
1: <laughs> <laughs> you-, oh, you can check the google calendar listen to the podcast my <laughs> whole life is basically
0: on mm-hmm. on the app but big brother is watching <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't Linda. know i feel like there's
1: been a lot of social engagements
0: like Mm.
2: we went climbing mm-hmm. um linda was a soccer bye. mom for once she was the <laughs> shuttle driver oh my god that like took all of my energy
1: at the end of the night i was like so stressed out i was like texting ming i'm like oh i feel so foolish and then i like drove so well i guess I wasn't it wasn't not bad it was like not bad. it was fine <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah it was just you know, being soccer like, mom
1: yeah i guess it's driving a lot of people in bringing m's car for the first time i was like i the missus car has to be intact and people's lives also has to be intact which i guess is not a high demand anyways yeah i also did not send anything last Mm. night um so i don't know if that makes me more discouraged or more encouraged to, to like go hard but encouraged i don't know i don't know and I guess like also I have my the yes. comic deadline on this weekend. Um, so I'm like rushing it mm-hmm. right now because I wanna have it have it done. And I kind of feels nice to rush this because it feels like it gives my life a purpose. Um than like working and things like that, because I really don't think about that stuff outside of my timed hours, which I guess is a good thing. But I missed having that like the drive putting in the hours and then like mm-hmm. all that like thing which gives you like a big project and it gives you like a sense of ownership so I'm going to
0: finish that and hopefully move on to something new well we have another artiste in the house is that the transition <laughs> should we move on <laughs> wow transition sally <laughs> Okay, welcome back to our episode. Um, Today we have on, as Linda said in the intro, um, my good pottery teacher, (laughs) Tim Sherman. And um, just a little introduction into how I got into pottery personally. Um, I think my first pottery class was at like during my undergraduate time. And I honestly just chose to start taking pottery like um, last semester of college because I was like, I wanted to make use of all of the resources that the school had to offer. So I was like, let me try this out. And um, unfortunately, it got cut short because of COVID, but I still had a fun time in that first class. And then uh, when I moved to Frederick, I, like, and I started working full-time, I kind of wanted something else to do besides work, like after work. So I looked around and I found this, pottery studio that offered a bunch of different classes um different levels and like um different types of pottery too like you can do wheel wheel throwing pottery or hand building pottery so that was really cool and i Tim's class happened to fit into my schedule so i've been taking his class um yeah and that's how i got into the pottery and i talk about it a lot in this podcast yeah. i think so but enough about me. Uh, let's introduce Tim. So, Tim, do you want to share a little bit about how you got into pottery and how you like first found it, I guess?
3: Sure. Yeah. I, um, it's kind of funny. Actually, I had a uh, an elective to fill in high school and I was on the lacrosse team. And essentially, I had to boost my GPA in order to be able to play, to be eligible <laughs> to play on the team. And uh, my coach says, take Take ceramics. Everybody gets an A in ceramics, right? So I said okay, <laughs> and um, I hated it. I really didn't oh. like. I didn't like clay because we were doing like coil pots and slab projects, mm. and it just seemed like everything I did failed. And it wasn't until the second semester of that class where we did the wheel. Um, and I watched my teacher do a demo, looking back, a pretty bad demo of a wheel thrown bowl. And I just completely fell in love. I, I, I couldn't believe that you could take a lump of clay. And then about two minutes later, it was something that you could, you know, fire and use. So that's, that's really, I got hooked before I even tried the wheel on, on that process. So, um, that's really how I got my start. It was kind of a strange way to get into something, but um, I'm glad I did. And then that teacher ended up being super encouraging and kind of pushed me along. And I think that's the only reason I got into college was because of the letter she wrote for my, um, my application process. So I was, I, I owe a lot to her. She, she was really great. Um, as mm-hmm. a teacher.
0: So you went to college <laughs> for pottery as well. So yeah, that's what I, that, they call it, it. was like a
3: concentration. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of other fields have, have like a, a con you can concentrate on a certain thing. So I took classes in, not only like gen ed stuff, but a lot of art and design related. So my degree is in art and design. Not, it's not, there's no pottery or ceramics on mm. my uh, mm. diploma, but that's what I concentrated in. So, um, oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: That's yeah. really cool that you found it in high school like that. Okay, this sounds very uh, cheesy, but it kind of reminds me of the story of Troy Bolton in high school. <laughs> oh <my laughs> gosh. Where it's like the jock <laughs> or whatever, who he s- somehow randomly finds this in- artistic endeavor and like really falls in love with it. That's really cool. Yeah, I can't really uh, tell you how close <laughs> it is to that because I haven't seen it, but uh oh, no. yeah. similar. So, so uh
3: similar premise anyway
2: <laughs> did you have any idea what you wanted to do after high school like before pottery like did you have something already set in your mind N-
3: no so I think that's why I really um stuck stuck with it is because it was the first thing I felt besides like I was okay at sports but I knew that wasn't going to be a career so I I thought if I could get into a field I was working with my hands or if it was art related I could teach um Uh, Mm -hmm. That kind of immediately started running through my head. And then to be honest, the first time I sold a piece that I had made was like, ding, ding, ding. I can, I can, Mm. you know, potentially make some money doing something I really like. And that's what they all, you know, when you're growing up, they say, find something you, Mm
1: -hmm. you
3: love doing because it doesn't seem, you know, as much like work. So that, I don't know, it just all clicked for me when, when those things kind of happened Mm. and it happened pretty quick, I guess.
1: When did you start being able to like monetize it or being super serious about it?
3: So it was. That's that's what I'm saying. It was early on. Somebody's like, "Oh, I'd like to buy." It was probably one of my mom's friends. Looking back now, but it's like, "I want to buy that." I'm like, "Really? You give me like cash for this?" And I, you know, so of course it wasn't a lot of money, but that got me like rolling um, as far as like I can make stuff that I want to do, and then somebody somewhere down the road will probably pay me a little bit of money for it, and then it's kind of grown from there. Of course, but um, yeah, I think if I hadn't started in high school, it probably. I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now just because the the ladder to climb to make enough money to make a living is, is not easy. If you were just starting Mm -hmm. today and having to to build up, you'd have to uh, really put a lot of work in. And luckily I kind of had it not easy, but I had a long time to do it. Mm -hmm. Looking, looking back now, of course, I didn't know that at the time, but
0: yeah. Mm -hmm. How did you like build up your, (laughs) how did you like build up your, I guess, Company or your reputation as a ceramics, or get people to buy your stuff.
3: Um. Uh, so one of the great things about Towson is they have a, um they have a ceramics club, which it really isn't a it isn't a club. It's just if you're a member, you can be you can take part in their sales, and oh. um, part of the money that you earn from the sales go back goes back into the club, and they buy like equipment and stuff like that. It's not um not not really any more involved than, than that. And those sales they've been doing for like, I think 35, 40 years. It's like a really long running tradition at that school. And, um, I would sell like thousands of dollars worth of stuff at a pottery sale while I was still in school. So that's where I really, uh, I guess got hooked on on that, on that kind of trade offer. Yeah.
2: Wow. So you got started Yeah. You Scott started really early selling things that you were doing those kind of sales in college. That's impressive.
3: As Sally could probably tell you, the uh, the pots start to stack up pretty quick, and you have to figure out what to do with them. And um, it's like the next logical thing if you can if you can make a little bit of money, even if it's just enough to keep doing what you're already doing. It's um, that's at least a lot of that's what I get the feedback from my students. They'll do it like a small sale just to you know feed feed the habit, make pay for a class Mm -hmm. or pay for clay or
2: yeah. Yeah, no. Sally hasn't started charging us yet, but we do have a few pots. Oh, no. Even in, like, in my <laughs> yeah. own room right now, I have a few sprinkled out. But Get them while they're uh, cheap. I guess, <laughs> yeah, for our <laughs> listeners <laughs> and I discount. guess for myself, like, for context-wise, Sally has mentioned a few things about you that mm-hmm. you teach, but also you have your own business. So is your business teaching or is it selling or is it both, I guess? I think uh, teaching actually is probably the smallest part.
3: Smallest well, well, piece of what I do. Um, I don't. I don't know how to. Exp- well, basically, what I do is I've, I've built these kilns at my house. They're and I'm sure somebody's told you they're, they're pretty big, so we can accommodate mm-hmm. a lot of pots and potentially a lot of people. So, like, my business essentially is selling space inside the kiln to people oh, who want to fire mm-hmm. the work because. Of course, if you live in an apartment or a neighborhood, you can't have 20 feet of fire shooting out of your chimney uh, <laughs> uh, during the weekend, but uh, we we can do it here. So um, there's a, and it's pretty amazing it, and I never expected it to happen, but the draw for this type of firing process is, um, it's pretty far reaching. People come from all over the place to do it here. Oh. And then it's really nice to be able to do the class where I'm going to be teaching anyway, but then teach it about the wood firing process. It's kind of like, I don't know. Putting a few eggs in, in one basket instead of spreading out all over the place, and um, but I'm I like it so much that I I think it's uh, just natural that I'd want to share it with other people. So hopefully that conveys when when we do the class. So,
1: mm-hmm. but that's yeah. so
3: that's the biggest part mm-hmm. is the actual like firing process, um, and then I teach and I do some like private lesson type stuff too, but not um, not really enough to it, it's a uh, that's a pretty small piece as well and then of course i sell work so that's pr- probably pretty close to equal with like the revenue that i'm making doing I, it's probably more honestly than i'm doing make selling the kiln space and then an- mm-hmm. another thing i do is i build these kilns so i've built several of them for um you know other potters that want to get into the same the same kind of similar thing that i'm doing
1: oh so, so they're uh, like all in your, your whole life, life was yeah. all like <laughs> pottery?
3: <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's, it's a big part of my life for sure. In fact, I'm doing more, you know, I don't know how much you want to get into other stuff, but I'm, I'm doing, I also got a contractor's license too. So I'm building not only the kilns, but sheds and shelves and you name wow. it, Ooh. studio stuff too, for people. So,
0: wow. How do you yeah. balance it all? There's so many different mm-hmm. parts of think, your I don't think I do a
3: very good job. <laughs> of it, honestly. It's, uh, I just say yes a lot. I think is, is uh, my problem. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's tough. I I try to, uh, I try to make everybody, um, you know, as as happy as possible as far as like the results of the firing. And then when I'm doing these projects, I take a lot of pride in like the craftsmanship and the, and the work that I do for them. So, uh, it's tough, Mm -hmm. but I I like doing it. I don't think I'd want to do anything else at this point, but, um,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, we talked to a, a previous small business owner. We were asking her what, what, if it was hard to, you know, put, your income reliant on your hobby, basically, or your passion. So have you ever felt that where like, you started pottery because you enjoyed it a lot, but now your income is reliant on it, I suppose. So did you ever like, lose love of it? Or you're still going strong? Well,
3: I guess I guess I should tell you the full story. I worked um, full time for my father in law up until I, oh, okay. I quit that job, December 31st, 2019. So Uh, whatever that is, a year, and a few months ago. yeah. And and then of course we know what happened in 2020. Uh, So I was on my own and then boom, there's a pandemic. So I thought I was, uh, I thought I made a huge mistake because that was like a relying only on what I was doing myself, not getting a paycheck anymore. And um, yeah, it felt, I felt really bad because we had a little, we had a baby and we had another baby coming. So that was, I felt really bad, but it ended up being uh, just for what I'm doing, the way I, like I told you, I'm running space to people who don't have kilns. The pandemic also had people at home making pots in their own studios and no place to fire them. So there was no studio mm-hmm. open. So in 2019, before I quit, uh, we were firing the kiln three times a year. So three weekends a year, we'd fire the kiln. So that's like 3000 pots. And
0: mm-hmm.
3: in, in 2020, we fired 10 times. So I more than huh. tripled what I was doing you know, the previous year, uh, it ended up being like, one of the better things that could have happened to me is have everybody at home making more work than they ever would have otherwise. And then that, you know, led, led to them wanting to fire it here at my house. So, um, yeah, a bad situation turned into a good one. I'll just, we'll just say that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how did you get into doing wood firing as part of, I guess, your income or revenue? Because I feel like it's pretty straightforward if you're doing ceramics in college, like to just sell it or teach, but wood firing is like a different route that most people wouldn't think of automatically.
3: There's not, there's not a lot of people doing what I'm doing, at least in, uh, in America. And, uh, the biggest reason for that is I'm sure, you notice like all the wood and all the labor that goes into every step of the process. So it's not, I would never like encourage somebody to do what I'm doing (laughs) because it's, it's not, it's not easy. And, and, uh, you know, if my, my body ever doesn't hold up to to what it's what it takes i'm going to be in trouble i'm going to need some help but uh yeah w- the biggest part about wood firing that i was drawn to besides like i think everybody likes to sit around a campfire and you know throw sticks in there and cook mm-hmm. and talk and stuff like that but the community aspect that you get from from this is not like any other aspect of a pottery that i've come across so if you're firing your pots in an electric kiln and all you have to do is push the button, turn up the switch and go. Nobody wants to sit around and look at a, a, a metal box get hot. Um, same with like a gas kiln, even where there is a little bit of fire. Nobody, nobody invites their friends over to, uh, to sit around the gas kiln and watch the pots fire. But the wood kiln, um, that's, that's different. In fact, when I first started and I was a lot younger, a, f- a few years anyway, um, our friends would come over, and it would turn into a three-day party, and it would be almost like too distracting. So, like the sense of community and people that want to see it and that are interested um, is is a huge part for me. If that wasn't the case, I I, I would probably go a different route, an easier route, anyway. So. Um, Yeah, that's that's pretty huge. Having all the the people over, the food, meeting new people. I mean, I met Sally through the studio, mm-hmm. and she came out to mm-hmm. Woodfire. So, and her Kevin, her friend Kevin, <laughs> came out. So, like, <laughs> when would I ever meet him? Had I not, you know, met right. Sally? So it's just like a chain that just keeps growing. I have a a really great community that's that's uh, kind of developed over the last few years mm. that wants to do this and it keeps coming back. You saw so. Sally's
1: videos where she was like throwing the wood into... <laughs> the yeah. fire looks very <laughs> intensive.
3: Yeah, it can be for sure. And, th- and then you're just seeing like the end... That's like the last step is, is firing the kiln. We have to split wood, stack wood, dry wood, go wow. fetch wood. Um, it, there's a lot that goes into it that you don't see... Um, from those like Instagram clips where the kiln's on fire, <laughs> but uh, yeah.
1: Does it make a different result for, in terms of the wood firing, like artistically?
3: Yeah, um, for sure. Um, you could probably just, I'm sure Sally could show you a pot that she's fired at the studio where she's applied a glaze and then one that came out of the wood kiln. And, and I think the, the obvious, uh, and it, I think a lot of the results are pretty obvious that it's not done the same way um and then i'm doing a lot of stuff where i'm trying to make the glazes run as much as possible and not have them destroy themselves if that makes sense so i'm pushing it like to the edge um and then there's just that also that random nature that you'll you just don't get from the electric kiln where the kiln has a huge effect on the final Mm. product um the actual wood that's burning is having an effect um in the electric kiln what you put in there is you can anticipate what's going to come out where, where we're firing. You could put two pots that are the same clay, the same glaze next to each other, and they'll look totally different. So, um, yeah, that's a big difference for sure. Yeah, that's
0: really cool. Tim can go on and on about that. Yeah, <laughs> you, you you just, cu- that. just
3: cut me off. <laughs> no, it's,
0: it's <laughs> no, it's so it's interesting, really interesting you, though. Yeah, because
2: you mentioned that, oh, or you mentioned earlier that you're one of the only people in America to do it. So, how did you? even think of it um have you gone otherwise
3: i should rephrase that i'm not the only (laughs) there's a lot of people wood firing in america but like i guess running an operation like this where i have three three of these kilns and you know and and having so many people come out every year um, that's pretty Mm -hmm. unique there are certainly a lot of people that have wood kilns but they're not maybe doing the same type of thing that i'm doing Um, okay which it's just i don't know people might not want a lot of a lot of people come through our property in our house and i think a lot of people wouldn't like that Mm. if that makes sense just having like a lot of different people that you don't know come come through right Mm. right.
1: what does your family think about having the kilns at the house do they like having (laughs) you know community people over um do they enjoy that
3: yeah my so my parents come to almost every firing still even they know what's going on and they still come check it out and uh yeah, everybody seems to be into it. Um my wife's side of the family comes less <laughs> less than my parents do, but they they certainly are interested and they come to the sales and check out the finished stuff and everybody's super supportive. Um we live I'm sure Sally well maybe maybe she didn't. We're kind of out uh, we're not near anything really, so it's um mm. there's not a whole lot going <laughs> going on up here other, <laughs> other than the than the wood kiln, so yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Did your family have any strong reactions when you decided to major in art or pursue this as a business? Like when you, you said you worked for your father-in-law?
3: Uh, if they had strong reactions, I didn't see them. They did it when, <laughs> I, when I wasn't around. Um, no, every, you know, my parents looking back, I didn't really appreciate how supportive they really were because they never, they never said no. They never, you know, said, what are you, what are you thinking, what are you doing? Um, They just always wanted me to have a plan and a goal to work towards. And that's, that's what I did. And yeah, they're, they're, they're the best. They're super supportive.
2: It seemed to work out anyway, so they can't say anything now.
3: Well, I I don't know. They, (laughs) they they seem like they, they're proud. They always, I can always tell when I meet their friends or I see somebody I haven't seen in a while, like your parents talk about, you know, this and your firings and stuff. So it's nice. It's nice to hear that kind of stuff. You, you otherwise wouldn't know about
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe going in more into like the business part of things what is like the best or worst part of owning a small business for you personally
3: um the worst part is having to do everything myself like i, mm-hmm. I at this point i don't have any employees i really prefer not to i have a lot of help like i have people volunteer mm-hmm. and do like work exchange type things which is great um but if something is is not working it's up to me to fix it or get something new and like i said about the wood there's Mm. i don't know if you're familiar with like how you measure wood but a cord of wood is uh four by four by eight feet so it's a pretty big block of wood and we'll burn 40 of those a year so it's it always comes back to the wood when you wood fire um (laughs) it would be great to have support for that type of stuff a little bit of help so the small business part of it is everything is on me Good good or bad. So when we have a great mm-hmm. firing, I feel good because I had a lot to do with it. And then if we have a bad mm-hmm. one, which doesn't happen so much anymore, but I, you know, that, that comes down on me too. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Why wouldn't you like, I guess, hire another employee to help you?
3: I, I mean, it's not out of the question, but I've only been, I've only been under my, you know, been by myself for the last mm-hmm. less than two years. So it's, it's too early to say that I wouldn't. I just, right. I want to be more, I'd say more comfortable uh, with what's going on before I bring somebody else into it. And, and, you know, that really ups all the, uh, you know, the insurance and the tax stuff. And it's just a huge additional step to to have, which I would have more time to do if I had somebody helping with (laughs) the other things. So it's one of those trade-offs. I mean, once I hire one, I'm sure I'll keep... um, The best has been, like, I'll have college students that want to do a work exchange where they fire their their pieces here and use my studio in exchange for labor. So that's, that's Mm -hmm. been really nice. Mm -hmm. And that's how I did it. That's how I started in, you know, wood firing in college is a a work exchange type of situation. So it, uh, it worked. I mean, I got a lot out of it, so I hope I'm helping somebody else too. Mm.
1: Two years is like a short amount of time. Do you feel like things have really expanded quickly? Um,
3: well, so all, all the while when I had a full-time job, I was putting, every dollar that I made selling pottery, I put back into this business to build the kilns, Mm. to buy some equipment. Um, So it doesn't feel new at all. Uh, The only new Mm. part is that I don't have to like text anybody and tell them I feel sick. I can't come in. I just don't, I just don't do anything. Um, So that's, it's been really great. The flexibility, especially with having young kids um, Mm -hmm. it's really great to be able to drop what I'm doing Mm. and not have to, answer to anybody you know i still have to put the work in obviously to make it happen um but there's nobody that's can yeah. fire so
1: work-life so. balance is pretty good or you had to plan it out for yourself
3: it's it's good it could certainly be better yeah. i'm sure anybody would probably say the same thing um but i the best part i guess like i know a lot of small businesses aren't necessarily at that person's house and my operation is for the most part it's here so if i do have to do if I have to pick up the kids or just, you know, whatever I can, I can do it. Cause I'm already here. I don't have to run home or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. And we also have, my parents are so close. Um, without them, I would probably have a different answer because they always fill in when we need somebody to watch kids and, and, and help out. So, um, I've got a, I've been really lucky, I guess. It's, it's another, you got a nod to that too.
2: <laughs> On a very side side note, I'm curious, do you, chop your wood like from the tree like on your land or do you get it i have no idea like it sounds like you use a lot of wood so how do you source that you want to start a new Just podcast kidding.
3: about the wood part oh, <laughs> <boy>. <laughs> we can get into it if you want so i guess i'll give you the rundown really quick so we have a little bit of woods here but i i never cut down anything that's living um it's all either falling oh, okay. over like storm damage or at this point, so many people know what I'm doing. I'll get a call. In fact, I got one today. I went to go look at a tree today. Um, people say, I have this tree coming down. Um, it would save me a little bit of money if you come get it and then you can have the wood for free. So, um, I never pay for wood, which is really great, but a lot of times I have to go pick it up and it's almost always dead trees that are like hanging over, you know, a house or a fence or something that somebody wants taken down. And then, um, my best connection, there's a sawmill right down. Like I said, we're not near a lot and there's a sawmill right down the road. And, uh, he will bring me like, like when they mill a tree, there's a lot of waste around the outside edge, all the sap wood and the bark and stuff like that. So I get, um, his waste for free. So he's looking for a place to dump it and I'm looking for free wood. So it's a great, uh, Trade-off wow. for both of us. So.
2: Yeah, it's a great connection. Yeah, that really speaks to like your community, I guess. Not just the mm-hmm. the firing part of it, but also like sourcing the wood. It sounds like you sure, have really strong yeah. connections.
3: Yeah, and sometimes too, That's I'll come cool. home and there'll be wood in the driveway. I don't even know where it came from. People, <laughs> you know, people know that I go through so much. They'll just come and dump, um, you know, tree companies and stuff like that. We'll, we'll drop it off
0: oh that's cool are you ever in a shortage of wood or is it always like too easy to find the wood i hate to say it's too easy because as soon as i do
3: i'll bite my tongue (laughs) right (laughs) right now right now i have a a lot i have two years worth that needs to be processed um and uh it just kind of all you know when it rains it pours they say and i had a lot Mm -hmm. this summer seemed to be like the the summer of bring wood to tim's house so uh, (laughs) i have a lot but i have to split it up and um that's you know, that's a pretty big challenge. Just time-wise, it just takes forever. So, Mm
2: -hmm. Sally, I want to... It sounds like you're balancing so many
1: things. Oh, go ahead, Linda. I guess I wanted to ask Sally about her experience with the wood firing, if she was chopping wood, or like, what that report was like.
0: Oh, I think Tim, you do all the chopping, right? Before the firing. So, typically
3: if I can keep up with it myself, I will. And by keep up with it, I mean, like, if I have an hour or two here or there, Mm -hmm. or I'm waiting for somebody to come by, I'll Go, I'll go split some wood, um, mm-hmm. but in the past we've had it's actually kind of fun. We'll have like a like a we call them kiln days where people will come <laughs> and you, you kill, like clean up the kiln from the previous firing and then process wood and we'll have you know twenty people out there, re, you know cutting wood into small pieces and then stacking it and uh, that is great. So having like ten sets of hands or or twenty mm-hmm. sets. Um, you can imagine how just one of me, if you can multiply that out, even if it's for a few hours, I get so much more done, but I also have some Mm -hmm. machines that make it pretty tolerable. If I had to do it like with a, you might, I'm not doing it by hand. I saw your rig
0: that you made on your story.
3: Oh, the little sawmill? The the
0: one that, yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah, I and think it's pretty cool. Sideways. Yeah, yeah, I cut, some, <laughs> cut some lumber with with that. That's that's not for the kiln. That would take. That would be no. ridiculous. To, but that would be for like making boards or like I make pedestals mm-hmm. to display pots on. Uh, it's just too slow. But I have a machine that will split wood. I just have to sit in there and flick a button, which is not, you know, listen to a i bo- I'll listen to your podcast next time I'm out there.
0: <laughs> oh <boy>. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but for me personally, I haven't split wood at for Tim. I think for I guess the people that just rent the space and like for us as students for the wood firing, we just participate in like the look. Oh, we don't do the loading actually. We just do the firing, the actual firing, and then the unloading.
3: So well, so I, this is this is something you should know too if you're ever going to do it again. Some people want to do like every part of it, which is yeah. great. And then some people want to show up with their pots and fire them and take them home. And that's, that's fine too. So I don't like make anybody do extra work. Some people, you know, want to get out and, and do stuff and help me. And those people always, you know, they they come when I'm not even here sometimes and they'll, they'll help <laughs> clean up. So it's just, there's such a wide range of interest and I never want to like push somebody to do something they don't want to do. So, um, until I can't keep up with it, with the help I have, then I'll then I'll probably start soliciting for, for helpers. But if you ever want to split wood, you you know where to come. You can come do that anytime you want. <laughs> Stacking is a huge part of it too. Once it's in like a pile, you gotta cover it up and keep it dry. And mm-hmm. so um yeah, I can always use help with that stuff.
2: Sally, do you see yourself becoming that involved or do you just like it as it is right now, where you go to class and then you do some <laughs> occasional parts?
0: Just curious. Uh, because talk about it a wasn't, lot. Yeah, I think it is really fun, and I really like how you can be so involved in the whole process, but for me personally, I don't have that much time, so I'd yeah. like to be more involved, but it is hard. Um, also, like, working full-time and doing this podcast and, like, climbing, you know, all these things going on, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of hard, but... <laughs> And it's we have a lot. also because I'm a post back, so this is like a temporary position, and I'm not planning on staying in Frederick the whole time. I don't know, like, when I move out of here, I don't know where I would find another wood kiln to fire at.
3: I, could, so, I like, can tell you where you can find it and wherever you end up. I can,
0: yeah, well, I well, can hook you know up. Up. when I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay.
3: A lot of the people who fire with me are kind of like the opposite of where Sally is. They're either retired and they're just looking Mm -hmm. like to get out and do things and learn new things and help, you know, that maybe their kids are moved out or in college or wherever and they're looking to help somebody else. So um, the people that come and do all those things I just talked about aren't the ones that are, you know, just starting a job and and doing all this different stuff. So I I get it. And that's why I don't push it on anybody. So Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, but I've heard that you're killing us the best in the area. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so it won't that's be the same anywhere else. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I paid I paid them to say that.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> the topic, though, I mean, of it taking a lot of time is what I wanted to touch on, I guess, because it seems like your, your work days would be so full between the, all of that maintenance and then like teaching and everything. So um, do you have a favorite part of the day or like what does your typical day look like if it is typical at all
3: yeah that's the thing is n- where i'm doing like at this very moment is not there's no typical day really <laughs> what i would like to do is i like to make pots in the morning like from you know maybe like eight to lunchtime like 12 30 or something and then the afternoon i want to spend that time outside so that's where i'll like clean the kiln clean the shelves clean uh or you know pick up wood, split wood, whatever. It's nice to break up the day so I'm not doing one thing the whole time. So mm-hmm. that's like my I, when I get those days I, I I tend to smile more and I'm happier, but <laughs> um that's of course that's never always the case. There's always so much other stuff to to get into mm-hmm. as well, but that's what I that's what I would prefer to have happen.
2: Mm. Did you pick up teaching more as just like another revenue stream or you wanted to share your love or I mean in between, I guess.
3: I didn't have, I didn't really have a plan teaching. Somebody said you should teach a pottery class. So I I did. And, um, (laughs) uh, where, where Sally's taking classes now in Frederick, I was, I was the first teacher they had, um, when the first owner opened it, she, she, you know, only had a couple of wheels and just wanted to see if it would work. So I've been teaching there since she opened, it's almost 10 years now, which sounds crazy when I say that out loud, (laughs) but, um, it never, I never really had a plan with it. Uh, What I tell you what it has become is, basically like a pool of people who are interested in, that end up being interested in this, in this wood firing thing. So it's like a, it's, I wouldn't say it's like an endless supply, but it's like a, it's like a constant, um, <laughs> it's like a constant conversion. Yeah. There's just people, people talk, I'm sure they talk about in the So i have heard that, you know, at mm-hmm. open studio, people are maybe, you know, oh, we are going to fire this weekend. We're going to unload the kiln and word gets out. And, um, it's been a, it's been a good source of people, um, that are, you know, new that want to try something else. So it's, uh, it's definitely i guess worked in my favor that I'm close enough to the studio that people are willing to make the drive out here and um, yeah, but I never had a I never had a plan I don't do it enough to really The income's fine, but it's not, I I can't really rely on it because I'm not doing enough of it, I guess. Mm -hmm.
1: It's not like there's so few wood fires. We need to like raise the next generation to keep the tradition (laughs) alive or something.
3: Yeah, I I should really. Yeah, I should get into (laughs) elementary schools. In fact, I do demos in elementary (laughs) school sometimes. My mom was an elementary school teacher Mm -hmm. and they they all got it. Oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah, they loved it. It was fun.
2: So, from my like uneducated side of things, because I feel like the only time I've seen like any type of pottery ceramics is from either media, like TV or movies or from like Sally stories. (laughs) Like it just it's not out there that much. So when people come to you, do they come like completely like no knowledge? I guess there's different levels of the classes, but do you find that teaching comes inherently to you or it takes a lot of encouragement or Um, tips? I guess
3: I think the best part about what, where I teach and like how that studio is set up is it's, of course, it's not like for credit for anything. Nobody's grading mm-hmm. anything. So, everybody that's taking classes, for the most part, it seems like anyway, wants to be there and wants to learn a skill. Um, so, that makes it really easy on me. Yeah. Um, and I've only had like one or two people that have been like jerks. They're generally the pottery <laughs> people, people who want to play with clay uh, are nice. It's just like that just it seems to be the way it is. Uh, I can't speak for painters. I don't know how, if they've, you know, if they <laughs> are angry people or what, but the play, clay people seem to not be. So, um, yeah, I don't want to say it's easy. I try to put a lot of thought in especially the wood fire class because, um, the people who fire with me generally go into fire other places. And if I, you know, instill bad habits or tell mm-hmm. you something that's not right, or if I make something up or you have a bad experience, um, like I said, there's not a lot of these out there, so everybody would know about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if, you know, <laughs> yeah over time. Yeah, 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 I feel a certain sense of responsibility to, yeah. to to train people well enough that they could they could go somewhere else and have a you know a good experience somewhere else too. That's kind of the, the goal. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. From these classes, have you trained someone who's also be- turned out to become like a full time potter like you? Or is everyone Ooh. still just a hobbyist? Um,
3: yeah, I have a, a couple actually, and uh, one of my students, actually my very first student at the Frederick School, she moved to Connecticut and and she uh, she sells pottery now. That's what she does. <laughs> so includes, that was pretty wow. cool. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but, and then another, <laughs> another good one, Tammy, I don't Sally, you probably weren't there when Tammy still, she used to own the studio and then there's a little store I think next she door. She filled
0: in for you. So, oh, okay, right, right. Yeah. so
3: she, um, wh- when I first met her, she was making like wedding registry, just very like simple forms, but like really nice stuff, all cone six, which is just like uh, electric kiln fired. So very predictable, repeatable process. Um, mm-hmm. and, last year I just built her a wood kiln. So I've converted, <laughs> converted, <laughs> you know, that that was pretty gratifying. Cause she, I think she told me when I started building my kiln, she said, nobody's, nobody's doing wood firing anymore. And she has a kiln now. So it's kind of funny how, <laughs> you know, you can rub off on people if they're, if you're around them enough. Yeah. Um, so she's doing something similar to me, but on a much smaller scale with a, a small group of friends, not, not so much like a student base, but some of her friends she sells space too. So.
2: Do you ever taught, or are you ever in contact with your old high school teacher to tell them that this is how you turned out? <laughs> oh
3: yeah, she knows. She knows all about it. Um, yeah, I, and when I was in college, when I when we'd come home for like Thanksgiving and Christmas break, and and the high schools were still in session, uh, I would always go and do a demo for her classes, and oh, she oh, cool. she was really grateful that I would do that. Um. <laughs> um but I haven't talked to her in a little while now. I don't know what she's up to. I think she's still teaching art somewhere. I know it's not at the same school I went to, but um, yeah, she knows. She's come up to a firing and she was, it was neat to see her her reaction to the whole
2: thing. <laughs> yeah, because really cool, yeah. it's sure. like, it is her little, or your decision, I guess, to join the class, but also her influence and now your influence. It's like a legacy. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Impact on yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. the legacy. <laughs> I had more arts in high, in high school because we were all
1: like science and tech.
3: Oh yeah. Mm. Well, I sh- I really wish I paid more attention in chemistry class because ceramics is all chemistry. I mean, oh, mm. Sally, that chemistry. Not- oh, I think
0: that's another thing that draws <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing that draws me to ceramics, I guess. is All like the react thinking about how things react. Yeah. Although I don't know the chemistry behind it, but just the thought that things are going on is pretty cool. <laughs> it's
3: inc- it's incredible yeah. what's going on and I wish I knew like a fraction of what actually is happening. Like I can have like a mm. sense of what's going on, but you know, it's so, I feel like such a a child when it comes to like realizing (laughs) what is actually happening. Mm,
1: The science of art is pretty interesting.
3: Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm.
1: My cousin does pottery, but she does, she's like doing it in Tokyo pretty seriously, but she does like painting on pottery, which I think is pretty different than like making pots itself. So is it like a combination of like artistic vision and like function or is it just like they are display pieces mostly
3: um i mean i can't speak for her without seeing her stuff but um yeah for you i know yeah oh yeah so so i i've been thinking a lot about that lately because i've done a few the i've done a few podcasts now and uh, i did some lectures while um last year while the pandemic was going on for some colleges like guest guest lectures and stuff like that and they ask similar questions and um i think I think I try to find a balance between my work being, um, something that you can and should use every day if you want to. And then something that you could also, um, be proud to like show a guest if it was sitting on your shelf or your mantle. So there's like a, I don't know. There's like a, there are people that are only making things that are intended to sit on display. And there are people that are Mm -hmm. selling, you know, making a thousand mugs a month and trying to sell volume. And I'm, I fall somewhere I think in between where I want you to be able to, everything I make is intended to be functional but some of it I, I personally think is isn't pretty enough or nice enough um, or successful enough that it stands on its own as like a, like a, an object that you could enjoy without having to actually use it just a, a visual thing so um, ex- of course if you're painting on your pieces that's you know you're directing somebody to look here like that's like a, a cue like here I am so mm-hmm. I'm not doing that but I am um, trying to make visually interesting stuff. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Sally like makes a lot of different things, like teapots, and also like the the bubble planters, which are like very cute and not just like the same kind of like pot. You know, there's like a large variety.
3: Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, it's endless. It? If you if you can dream it, you can you can make it with clay. That's one of the best things about it. It's it's incredible.
2: Mm-hmm. So, in your classes, do you have to teach? I guess you have to teach the actual how to make it, but do you ever teach the artistic side of it? Like, um, I I guess the shapes, common shapes, or you just let people's imaginations run run wild? Usually when I, when I teach, I try to
3: like, um, at least recently I've been trying to, uh, come up, we'll we'll come up with a form that we're going to make, let's say it's plates. And then I'll try to find a couple of different ways each time to decorate them. So whether it's, oh, okay. uh, like you said, like painting on them, I don't do a lot of painting cause I can't draw to save my life, but I do, <laughs> um, slip is, is like liquefied clay. So I, I do a lot of like brushwork with slip. So it's not necessarily like an image, but like a texture or, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. So I'll try to like within a certain form, I'll try to find the best ways or at least suggest ways to, um, like improve the surface is, uh, is what I, is how i would do it i guess
0: tim how did you find your style of pottery because you're you have a very distinct style and like everyone's always like once we see your pot we like we know it's tim's pot even without (laughs) Um, your little stamp on them
3: yeah i think for a long time i copied the people that i like i think a lot of artists probably do this where they where they imitate the um you know the artists that they admire and i did that for a long time and i looking back on Mm -hmm. pots that like, like my mom has, you know, pots from every year that I've ever made anything. So looking back at those, I can kind of see like which stage or who I was looking at at that time. Um, And then eventually I kind of, I think I started making things that like stood out to me and I would keep those things. And I still do this today. Like when a pot comes out that I really I'm happy with either it was something that I've never seen happen before, or it was something that I was trying to do and it worked. I'll I'll hang on to those pots. So I have like a little library and by a little, I have a couple hundred pots of my own that um, I've kind of just like one or two, every and I'll hold on to them. And um, I think that's how I developed that style is looking back and like, okay, this is, there's something here and I want to build on this. Um, So I think that's kind of how it happened. The little square I put on everything, which I think is probably the easiest way to identify it is um, a lot of, Potters and collectors call that like a chop. So it's like a mark that doesn't have like initials or a name. It's just a mark that you can identify somebody by. And um, that is a stamp. It's actually the back of a stamp that my grandfather... He he didn't... I I inherited a lot of his tools when he passed away. And he had a, a collection of these metal stamps and they had numbers and letters on them. And that's the back. So the little square, the little diamond that I stamp on my pots is the back of one of those. And, um,
1: mm-hmm.
3: it's just kind of like a little homage to him. Cause he's the one who really, you know, got me wanting to work with my hands, work with tools. Mm-hmm. And then, um, mm-hmm. it actually ends up being pretty, like if a cup doesn't have a handle, that little stamp is a great place to stick like your finger, like the tip of your <laughs> finger to hold, to actually like hold onto it as a grip. So, um, it's got kind of like a hidden purpose or like an unintended purpose. And then, um, yeah, kind of an identifier too.
0: Yeah, how would you describe your stuff? Like, I think for me, I would say it's like pretty rustic or like organic. But you probably have better adjectives than that.
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I think you nailed it. I guess I don't know. I don't know about rustic necessarily. I think um, I think it's uh, like I said before. I try to like push the limits of like how much I can move. Like, you can heat these glazes up, and as they melt, they start to move. I try to push the limits of how far they'll move before they they've themselves. they will run off of the pot at the bottom. And, um, mm-hmm. I think that in like culmination with the forms I use, so like pots are typically described yeah. as like tight or loose and that, you know, that you could probably use that for a lot of different things like architecture or anything like that. But, um, the, like my rims are kind of like that loose wavy, got kind of soft feel to them where they're not perfectly round. they're not perfectly level. And then the glazes, I think really lend themselves nicely to that. So they look kind of like the whole pot is moving when it's not. So I, I think that is what how I would describe it. There's like a sense of, of fluidness to it, even though it's I know it's glass and stone. There's, it's never going to move again, but it looks like it could as I, is, is not a great way to describe it, but that's kind of what's going on. Mm. Uh, or what I'm trying to do anyway. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's cool. Like derive from the
2: process of the firing itself.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Uh, I guess we can end a bit with what's the future for your business and for, I don't know, where do you see yourself? I guess, do you want to continue teaching and growing your community or do you have other plans in mind?
3: Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think these last two years have been a good kind of, um, Barometer on like both the, the like how much demand there is for what I'm doing, and then also like what I actually want to spend the most time on. And at least in the last couple of months, I realized that if I wanted to like keep growing and just fire kilns, I could I could do that, and I could keep people I think interested, and I could keep adding new people. I don't think I really want to do that. I think I want to focus on cultivating like a small community, but a good one, and then building. Mm-hmm. I've gotten some some recognition as of late for like my actual pots, and um, you know, I pretty much have been selling everything that I'm making. I think there's mm-hmm. room to grow. Um, one of the thing, one thing that p- potters do, uh, like the, t- the typical thing would be like do to do a craft fair. like you, you set up you take your van, you set up a table and you sell your pots. Um, but recently, with the with the how easy it is to sell things online, um, mm-hmm. the shopping carts and everything like that. There are galleries now where you could send, uh, let's say 40 p- pots and then they'll promote and sell your work. And then they send you a check. I I really like how that works. So, um, <laughs> I think there's plenty of room. There's hundreds of these all over the country and the world, um, to be able to send pots to those um, places. And then maybe one day, like, a, and this is not in my five year, but maybe 10 or 15 year plan will be to, like open a small store. So mm-hmm. I, I build furniture and like, there's a shelf behind me that has cups on it. So being able to, to have a, a place to display, uh, not only like the cups and stuff, but also like, here's an idea of how to display them at your house. Here's a shelf you could buy with, uh-huh. with a, a, your collection of cups. So that's kind of always been something I've been kicking around, but of course, time, money, all that jazz is, uh, <laughs> easier. It's easier said than done, but that's kind of what I'd like to go towards more, mm-hmm more of that so spending time in the studio making what i want to make and then trying to find a customer base big enough to to buy it all
1: that's really exciting
3: <laughs> yeah hopefully, hopefully someday that's a reality i know uh not, mm-hmm. not right now real estate is so expensive i'm yeah. sure probably to you got time that, but...
0: you're still young <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> i don't feel so young um... but yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can conclude the podcast. Thank you for coming on, Tim. I think it was very illuminating to hear about this because we've only heard it from Sally's side as a student and hearing her excitement. But I think personally for me, I was very um, surprised, but also it makes sense, the community that you form with your wood firing and just with gathering the wood and everything. um, It's really comforting because I feel like at our age, since we just left college, we're like trying to find that community that was built in on campus but hearing about sally and how she's making friends in her class and then you have a larger community it's like it's nice to know that there is ways to form connections with people outside of work or outside of school so
3: yeah thank you again for coming on yeah thank you so much for having me i'm i'm really glad (laughs) Sally asked.
0: (laughs) Do you want to tell our audience where they can find you on Instagram?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Everything for me is um, Sherman Ceramics. So my website, ShermanCeramics.com. And then same with Instagram, just Sherman Ceramics. I don't really do Facebook, but those two, I post on Instagram pretty regularly. So if you want to see what's going on, um, like, and I only really post about the pottery. So there's kilns and, and firings and then making and then the finished pieces. So it's a really good way if you want to see uh, what goes into what I do—that's the best place to look. And then my website is as much more like informational about kiln building and then like finished the finished product. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: If you like this episode, make sure to
0: rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find us on Instagram at movingalongpod. And check out our Medium blog for all of our bonus contents. You can follow us there at movingalong.medium.com. Until next time.
3: Bye.
1: Bye.